0: Ladies and gentlemen, it seems we have a problem. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello, it is Thursday once again. That means it is time for you to spend. Another hour or so with the most wonderful people on the internet, us here at Topspeed.com. This is the Topspeed.com podcast. This is episode 8. We are happy to have you here. I am Christian Moe. Today I am joined by our editor-in-chief, Justin Kuppler. Justin, how are you? I'm
1: pretty good. How are you, top speeders out there doing today?
0: Hopefully everyone screams, Yay, we're the best! woo um, As you may have noticed by this terrible silence... Uh, Mark McNabb is the hateful traitor, and he has left us, and he is no longer here to do the podcast today. He is currently in North Carolina driving the brand new Hyundai Genesis, and we're sitting here working, but we're working for you guys because we love you. Um, Mark will be back next week. Uh, he'll have a bunch of stuff to talk about for the new Hyundai Genesis, so if there's anything you guys want to know about that. Uh, go ahead and drop those in the comments or hit us up on the email, podcast at com, or you can find us on Twitter. Um, you can, you know, give us anything you want to know about the new Hyundai uh, Genesis and its V8 or V6 versions, and then Mark will be back next week to tell us about it.
1: i got to tell you, I am pretty jealous of him. I Thank wanted you. to drive that Genesis. He sent me that email saying, hey, can I go? I almost said, you know what, I think this is a job for me because I wanted to drive that so badly.
0: Yeah, I mean... I'm a better photographer than he is, so I think I should have been the one to go. But
1: I know, and I I have the the boss man card. But, you know, there's only one above me, so I figured I'd get to pull that card. But no. Well,
0: that's what we need to do next time we'll leave Justin here to do the podcast All or not Justin, we'll leave Mark here to do the podcast all by himself Justin and then me and you will go and we'll both drive and you can do the words and the boss man stuff and I'll take all the photos it's perfect
1: that sounds like a win-win but then again remember a few weeks ago we found out that he was a pretty good overnight DJ voice so we might come back to a very very weird podcast
0: well that's okay I'll revoke his access to the feed and we'll just take it back over It's it's totally fine
1: Okay, sounds good to me. All right, of course, well, iTunes might reposition us at that point, though. Then we'll be putting the Barry White channel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find the Top Speed Podcast in the auto section. That's because we're in the sexy voice section. <laughs> All right, so Mark's, Mark's Weekly Wheels this week is the Hyundai Genesis, but he's not here to talk about it. Um, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on to Justin. Justin had some Mazda 3, I believe, he spent some time with, right?
1: Yeah, I spent a little bit of time in the Mazda 3 uh, as a hatchback version. It wasn't the base model, though. Uh, Mazda's doing kind of like what Hyundai does with their press fleet cars and sending us the fully loaded to the gills version. I mean, uh, saying it's a 3 Series GT competitor is a little bit weird, but in terms of features... It really does stack up well, uh, feature for feature, against the uh, the base three series GT. Of course, it's not the driver of the GT and things like that. But feature for feature and price wise, it was a pretty pretty close competitor. Um, the power is not great. It has a SkyActiv engine. It's uh, somewhere. I don't have the figures right in front of me, but I believe it's just at one seventy or just under one eighty.
0: Yeah, I, th- uh, I think that engine's like like a one sixty eight maybe.
1: Yeah, it's somewhere in that range. And the the fuel economy was. Out of this world. Uh, I hit somewhere around 40 miles per gallon on it, just tinkering around here in the city and a little bit of highway driving. But back to the the main seller of this car is are the features, um, and this thing had everything you could imagine on a 3-series GT. Had the uh, the really thin back seats with the sporty two-tone leather, had a heads-up display, which is kind of creepy at first because I haven't seen one of those since about the late 90s Cadillac.
0: Um, ah, but, said, but that's because you've not been driving a Corvette. They've, they're have they still doing that.
1: <laughs> that's very true. But unlike those ones that project under the windshield, this one actually has this cool little plastic uh, tinted panel that that comes up when you start the car and projects everything there. It gives you your uh, GPS direction, speed, miles per gallon, other really cool stuff, and it even gives you a little alert for the uh, uh, the speed limit in the area, which I found is a little bit off at times. But that's besides that's,
0: the point. <laughs> that's, well, well, that's pretty fancy, though. I think it that... really
1: is. And and the seats, for how thin and how sporty they were, they were actually pretty darn comfortable. Uh, so I can't really, I really don't have much to complain about on that car, except for with the seventeen-inch wheels that it had, um, it rode a little bit rough, but that was compensated by really really good handling. Um, so overall I thought it was an excellent excellent deal. I think it uh, came in just under 30,000. I believe it was about 28 or 29,000. So really a great deal for all the options you're getting.
0: See, I, that would be my big thing and, and I was I was going to ask you about the price. Like paying 30 grand for essentially a lowest tier Mazda. Now yes, I know they have the Mazda 2, but really like That's not a car when you consider a car. That's the I'm looking for the cheapest, smallest form of transportation I can get. And then you move up to real cars. And so the Mazda 3 is like the smallest real car you can get. And paying 30 grand is a lot.
1: But if you imagine, what's the base uh, 3 Series GT coming? About 40 grand, probably. Um, And that is with, you know, the vinyl fake leather that they try to pawn off as some – I can't remember what uh, BMW calls it. I know Mercedes calls it MB-Tex, whatever they're calling it now. It's still fake leather, and you don't get the nice stereo system. You don't get all the goodies. Um,
0: I guess so. I just – What
1: they're they're marketing to is the guy, the dude that just can't quite afford a 3 Series but really wants all the features, goes ahead and buys a loaded up 3 Series uh, – uh, GT.
0: See, a lot of people do that, and I guess it's just me because I'm weird, but like, I would sooner buy a dead base better car than a super decked out worse car. But I
1: wouldn't uh, necessarily say the Mazda 3 is a worse car. Is it a lower tier car? Yeah, but to call it a worse car. Well, but
0: okay, so I can spend the same amount of money and I can have a front wheel drive Mazda or a rear wheel drive BMW.
1: But the rear-wheel drive BMW for the same price is going to wind up being at least mm, three or four years old to get in that range.
0: I guess so. But it's like um, my parents did this. My mom had a three hundred, a Chrysler three three hundred, and she sold it and bought a two hundred. Hmm. Yeah, but her two hundred, what she has. The decked to the hilt with the Penistar V6 and the leather and the sunroof and the navigation, like everything. There is not an option that is not on this car. The only thing it doesn't have that she wants is a little lip spoiler. That, that's that's it. So she went from a lower-level 300 to a completely decked 200, and she's just like, yay, because I have all of these new features. She's like, yes, I missed some of some of the space, but if it snows, this is front-wheel drive, so that's better. And look at my sunroof and my big navigation screen. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know about that.
1: I guess it all really depends on the, the kind of driver you are. Um if you're the kind of guy that just has to have that BMW, um, then you just hold out. You wait for a few more years to save up more money, a bigger down payment, or what's, uh, what have what you need, um, and you buy that BMW. But if you're someone that just needs the features and doesn't care what badge is on the front of that thing, you're going to say, you know what, I'll take this Mazda 3 and and screw the BMW. My dad did that a few years back, believe it or not, well, not a few years back, um, back in 2002. He was looking at either the top-of-the-line – get this, you're going to laugh at this – the top-of-the-line Saturn SC2 or the uh, base-level 3-series. They both come in about the same range, both in the high 20s. And he actually went with the the top-of-the-line SC because this is back in the era of the really bad vinyl seats yeah the really crappy stereo system and the black plastic cladding on the bottom of the of the, uh, of the of the body so
0: the uh, BM, the BMW where you've got the car and all of the air inside of it was free, if you wanted anything else, it was an option. I'm surprised they didn't charge you for more than one seat
1: <laughs> that is so very true in those things. Every time I see one of those cars, I'm like, oh, why, how could they, how could they even think of doing that? How can they fathom putting this stuff on this car?
0: It's who knows. Oh, but you know what? Parents, um, sort of a big deal for me. Today is my dad's fiftieth birthday. Hey, well, happy birthday, Mr. Mo. Yeah, so uh, I want to say a big, a big shout out to my, uh, to my dad. So, um, anyways, let's move on. So, uh, Justin drove the Mazda three. Mark is off currently driving the Hyundai. Um, but I still win. Uh, this week we're gonna talk about my time with the mighty, mighty Nissan GTR. Um, I've actually driven two of these. The first one I drove was in 2012, and late 2012, I believe, Um, and it was the 2013 Black Edition. So that one had a couple of the extra goodies, and then this uh, last winter, uh, right around Christmas for Nissan's uh, 80th birthday, uh, I spent a week and a half with a uh, base-level 2014 GTR. Uh, do you have any questions about this mighty machine there, Justin?
1: Uh, just exactly how awesome was it and how bad does the interior suck. <laughs> I've never gotten a chance to drive one. So those are the two, two things I always hear is, oh, my God, this thing is so fun to drive. It's so fun in the corners. It's so fun on the back road. It's so really, really fun on a big, long straightaway with absolutely no speed limit. But the interior sucks. It's very, very loud, and it will throw you off the, off the ceiling if you hit a minor, minor speed bump.
0: Um. So, the suspension is rough, um, I can't say the interior is hugely improved from the Black Edition I, I drove to the new car, mainly for one Central Edition, so um, the whole center console where the shifter is was made of the nastiest, slimiest plastic, and in the Black Edition it meets a carbon fiber piece. So there's nasty, slimy plastic, and where the carbon fiber piece touched the plastic, it rattled. The whole time I was in the car, anytime time over about 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, in the new one, there's now padded leather in that area. Mm-hmm. So it's not an area you touch very often. And and they've gotten a lot better about that. More of the stuff you touch feels better than it used to in when when I drove the car in 2012. So that's nice. Um but there's still some really, really cheap spots. Like Between the back seats, there are two big Bose speakers that are mounted into what feels like melted-down McDonald's toys. <laughs> um, for being like 47 speakers in it, the stereo is not that great. Um, it is very loud. Tire roar is tremendous. Wind noise is tremendous. Um, but the seats are comfortable. They hold you well. And... Every time you look at the gas pedal, the way you fly down the road is such a good feeling.
1: That's got to be enough just to make you forget about everything else. It's like, oh, yeah, everything sucks, but it's just so fast, and the world's a better place at that point, isn't it?
0: It's Yeah, so when I drove the first one, I was impressed with its abilities. But I didn't enjoy the car that much, but I only had it for a day, and I was at Nissan HQ uh, just, just outside of Nashville, and that's where I spent most of my time. I was just cruising around this busy metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I was like, okay, yeah, the car is fast. What turns I was able to find and throw it around. Like, it you know, defies physics a-, a bit, but it didn't move me. Um, And then I had another friend of mine who got to spend a week with it, and he goes, trust me, if you get this car on roads you know, your perception of it will change completely. And that was 100% true. Once you get it in an area that you're comfortable with, because, I mean, at the time when I drove the first one, it was the most powerful car I'd ever been in. And uh, Nissan just let me loose with it. Like, I had a handler for most of the morning, and then we went to lunch, and the handler left. And there's, like, you have the car be back at HQ by 5. So, <laughs> right, but then you're suddenly going, I'm in the middle of a huge city filled with police officers and people in a $115,000 car that isn't mine.
1: <laughs> Some people would go a complete opposite direction with that. Woohoo, I'm in a place with a bunch of police officers in a $115,000 car where nobody knows me.
0: Yay! <laughs> That's true. I mean, well, so I was I was trying to not stuff it, which which was a big thing and um i didn't know any of the roads so i couldn't really push the car that hard when you don't know what's over that blind crest or you don't know what's around this bend sort of thing um once i drove it back up once or once i drove the new one up from miami though and i'm and i was here in tennessee in roads i know i gave the thing a workout and it's just so fast and so good and so amazing and I don't care how terrible the stereo is, and how loud it is, and how uncomfortable and awful the suspension is. It's, it's so good in so many ways.
1: Well, here, here are some things that people don't seem to grasp, when they're buying a car. Um, they have to look at who they're supposed to cater to. Um, someone that's going to go and buy a Nissan GTR or, or a car of that, of that type, they're not looking for something comfortable or with a nice stereo or that has big comfy seats that are like a like a couch cushion. They're looking for a car that is all motor, will go fast in a straight line, and will take turns crisply. Um, if they wanted a car that had all of that combined, they'd go and spend two hundred some thousand dollars on a Ferrari 458 or something like that that's a little more comfy. Um, this is something you're paying all that money to get that engine. You know, that's, that's what you're
0: paying the money for in a suspension. Yeah, uh, that fancy all-wheel drive system. And it's like, I, I uh, agree with that a lot. Like, Again, with the way everything feels, you can tell. Like this car is a hundred thousand dollars. Ninety-eight thousand of those dollars went to the engine, transmission, suspension. You know the bits that make you go. The other two grand was spent to try and put some wheels and body panels on it, and maybe throw a few seats in. Um, but I guess what bugs me is, you know, when you're hitting it like a hundred thousand dollars, I can get an M5, and an M5 is not quite as fast. But it is much better built, and it is almost as fast, and it still looks like just a thousand dollars. I mean, it's it looks good, it's comfortable, sounds good, does everything it needs to do, but it can't actually match that speed of the, of the GTR, and and that's what it took some real time for me to grasp my brain onto. It's like the GTR. If you take its like zero to sixty times, its lap times, stuff like that, there are literally Less than a dozen cars, I think, on sale in the world that are faster than it. Oh yeah. yeah, I think like zero to sixty time. There's only like five actual real production cars that'll best it that I could go buy here in the U.S. So it's like, okay, so I'm getting, you know, the top one percent in the world of performance ability, and I'm only paying a hundred grand for it. And when you think that that's ten percent of the price of a Bugatti. Things start to make a little more sense.
1: Yeah, it's 10% of the price of the Bugatti, and it is what, about three-tenths of a second slower, give or take? Or
0: I'm like not about... even sure if it's a full three-tenths.
1: Thanks. Yeah, I know it's somewhere around two eight, two nine, and the Bugatti's in the two
0: six range. Yeah. They're both under three, and, and really like that under three mark is pretty much impossible for most cars to do. So yeah. it's God, it's such a like and when it left, I was like, okay, the GTR left, that's kinda of sad. But all the time now, if, like, I'm sitting in traffic behind a slow car on, like, a back road somewhere, I'll see a gap, and I'm like, man, if I had the GTR, I'd be perfectly fine. No way I could do that in this golf. <laughs> That's you know? one of
1: the hardest thing about our, things about our job, is going from these super fast, super awesome cars, and then back into our car that we used to think was really awesome. Now it's like, but now it's slow. That's one of the, the depressing things of our job is giving back an hour car. Like I remember uh, back when I was getting all the press fleets. I'm on a on a bit of a, a lull here starting in the next next couple weeks. Um, but back then when I went on my first lull, um, I was driving our our full time driver for the family was a 2002 um, <coughs> Dodge Neon. So I was going from these fully loaded, beautiful cars like the Kia uh, the Kia Cadenza and things like that, and then they took the last car away from them. I'm like. But no, I have to drive. This, oh. yeah. yeah, it's kind of that depressing letdown, but you kind of get over it and so forth. Now, question about the about the Nissan when you went to HQ to drive it. HQ doesn't have a any sort of test track to take you to to do maybe some controlled uh, track driving.
0: Um, I do know that they do go to the. Now unused, uh, Nissan or not Nissan, uh, Nashville Motor Motor Speedway to do some testing with certain cars. Um, when they brought the Juke R over here to the estates, uh, they called some journalists out to Nashville and let them drive around the track there and do some of that stuff. Um, but uh, no, when when I was there that that day, um, I was not. That was not part of our little trip.
1: Oh, that so, That's yeah. part of the fun of a GTR.
0: Yeah. Um, I may or may not have found an abandoned runway that is mildly close to my house to get the GTR on before it left when I had the second one. Um, Things got quick.
1: (laughs) Uh, I can only imagine. How long is the average runway with? About a mile, mile and a half maybe?
0: Um, The one that I've got near my house is just short of a mile. It's like 4,900 feet or something. It's a uh, private runway. Mm-hmm. That was going to be for a development community. Like, it was if you owned a plane, you could buy a house and you bought a second lot to put your hanger on for like small Cessnas and, and stuff. Yeah. So it's just shy of a mile. But uh, there's a really nice area that's paved with a shallow turn on to get onto it so you can pick up speed before you hit the actual runway. Oh, but uh, that's. Yeah, it's closed off now though. Um, the guy who used to own it sold it to the bank, and so now they have this huge, like, one-inch steel cable across the entrance with no entry signs. So
1: that's no fun.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've been kicked out of my runway.
1: <laughs> yeah, we actually have one of those uh, communities around here at the big runway. I keep wondering if I can maybe bargain with them when I get a, a faster car on loaner. Uh, see if I can bargain with them and get some time on that on that runway. It <clears throat> doesn't get much use. I don't see why they wouldn't let me, but I'm not sure what the legalities are behind all that garbage.
0: Right, yeah. Um, you, you do have to be careful with that. There's there's a lot of stuff that can get you in trouble with it. But um, really, you only need 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you would be really surprised how many times you can get up and down that runway in 20 minutes, <laughs> especially in a fast car.
1: <laughs> now, did you try to get – how many times did you get up and down that runway? Or <clears throat> theoretically, how many times could you have gotten up and down that runway?
0: Um in 20 minutes? Yeah. 70 or 80. Oh
1: my. Ah, oh, that would be fun.
0: <laughs> um well, if you think about at a speed of 120 miles an hour, which is literally nothing in a GTR, that is like third gear going into fourth in the in the GTR is about 120. Um you're going a full mile in 30 seconds. So that's two runs, or that's slightly more than two runs in a minute, so all the way up and all the way back in a minute. So, I mean, in 20 minutes, that's 40 if you're just doing 120. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can get a lot of runs.
1: That is as awesome as it gets. i got to talk to Nissan about giving me one of those. <laughs> um, I've been begging, but shot down so far
0: yeah it's not an easy thing to get to get a hold of that is that is for sure um but anyways let's go ahead and let's move on to some new 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 stuff we've babbled on about our cars and our enjoyments long enough. We're really getting off topic without mark being here maybe maybe he does have use <laughs>
1: yeah, a little bit
0: <laughs> all right uh let's go ahead and cover our best and worst of the New York auto show um if you guys haven't seen it, we did do a post on this um a bunch of us picked our best of show and our worst of show, and then we compiled them into one big post here. Um, let's start with the big, big boss man, Phil. Um, Phil chose for his best as the Dodge Challenger. Justin, what do you think about his selection?
1: Um, I don't necessarily agree or disagree. Um, I think the Challenger was an... Awesome pick, only because of the changes they did make. Um, The 1971-inspired taillights and things like that are really, really cool. But really, other than some other interior tweaks and the movement of the 6.4 liter from the SRT-8 down to a scat pack package, um, those are about the only really uh, enhancements that we saw. What's really cool, though, that I mentioned uh, that some people didn't seem to catch, though, is the movement of that engine from the SRT-8 line now opens this gigantic gap in the SRT-8 line that we all know what is going to be filled with.
0: Right, the Hellcat.
1: Yes, that, that ultimately confirms that the Hellcat's coming without them telling us outright it is coming, because why else do they take that big engine out of the, the SRT lineup? Um, and we also were in negotiations about some exclusive images of the Hellcat engine, but huh, unfortunately those fell through. But, and, uh, but the Challenger was a cool pick. I liked the, the 71 Inspiration. I wouldn't call it my best, but it was still cool.
0: Yeah, um, it makes me sad that uh, there wasn't a bit more changed to it. Um, I would have liked to see more power out of the engine. Like for me, like that's that's one of the biggest problems that the Challenger has right now. Is you know, Camaro and Mustang are just eating its lunch in every direction. Um, so I wanted to see a bit more power, maybe have them cut some weight, try to improve the performance of it. Now, granted, the Camaro and Mustang are now essentially sports cars, not muscle cars, and the Challenger is still a hardcore muscle car. But yeah, when you look at the price versus horsepower numbers between the three of them, the Challenger always comes out in the end. So I, I really would like to see see some more power out of that. But now that yeah, now that now that they have a scat package, though, that does bring the price down. So hopefully, once the Hellcat comes out and with the Scat Pack, things will even even out a bit. Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: The Challenger kind of its it sales are way down. Um, it's well, not way down. Let me rephrase it. Its sales are down. Um, I think it's about twenty percent uh, over last year, um, whereas a Charger is up twenty something percent. Um, so there's a huge swing there, and I think that's mostly because the Challenger caters to a specific, very, very small niche of people that were born and raised in the muscle car era and still want that muscle car. Because um, like you said, the the Camaro and Mustang are sports cars now. They're no no longer muscle cars, especially come 2015 when the Mustang goes to independent rear suspension and completely redesigned, then it's a complete sports car. Um, okay. So it really caters to a small group of people that is slowly losing interest in it. So you're starting to see it kind of tail off and, a redesign is going to have to come to, to keep interest in it very soon, probably the next two years or so.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, well, Phil's Worst of Show is is actually something I kind of agree with, and that was the Scion FRS Release Series 1. So Scion has done a whole bunch of these Release Series cars, and actually we're going to talk about another one in, in, in a minute, where all it is is Scion goes, hey, look, here's a car that we already sell and that you can already buy, and we're going to change... One thing about it, and it's not going to be very important, and then we're going to sell it to you again, <laughs> uh, and 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 so this one has a hideous shade of mustard yellow paint, which is the really big addition. Um, they do say like there's a new exhaust, and you know there's there's a few tiny like Toyota Racing Division pieces, but speed and horsepower are completely unchanged. So I'm not sure what the new parts do. Other than maybe make it a little louder or something, but yeah, they say there's no increase in horsepower or speed or performance in any way, so that's literally pointless. And it only comes in ugly, freaking yellow, so um, it's 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 just not a great car. Like I love the FRS and the uh, BRZ. You know, it was uh, I believe episode one I I talked about the uh, BRZ, got to drive it, super super tons of fun. Um, in a lot of ways, it's even better to drive than, than a Miata. I'm worried about its build quality issues, but it's still a great car, and then all they need to do is just give it a little bit more, a little bit more power through some like refined exhaust, maybe up the compression ratio a little bit, work on some things, some new suspension bits, maybe lower the weight a tiny bit, not slap ugly yellow paint on it.
1: Yeah, I, I actually uh, talked about the FRS uh released one a little bit in one of my pieces, and I pretty much tore it apart. I, I'm very annoyed with FRS, BRC, GT86. I thought they were cool when they first came out. Um, they've been played into the ground, number one. So many people are like, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing ever, and I, I don't think it is. It's a cool car. It is cool. It's, it's purpose-built, but it's not as cool as everyone thinks it is. Um, it has a manufactured torque curve. It's only 200 horsepower. It really reminds me of the s 2000 um and I was equally critical of the S two thousand, because it was the same thing as all horsepower and limited torque. So you get all this cool power to brag about, but you don't have the acceleration that you should have in a car with that kind of horsepower. Now you add on, like you said, the ugly mustard yellow, the side sills, all the weird GTR weird TRD stuff. Ugh. Ugh, I'm sorry, it's just it's hideous. It's absolutely hideous. Um yeah, I, I don't know where else to go with that one. And you know, they, they claim some things like the exhaust system and the lowering springs. But as I said before, that exhaust system looks to be a cat-back system that does nothing but make your car sound like it has gas. And uh, lowering springs typically do nothing more than drop your oil pan closer to the ground. Uh, so, yeah, I had some big issues with it. Um, will it cater to a specific crowd? Will they sell the 1,500 units they're making? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> They will sell them to all the kids that want to buy a lowered car and put the big wing on the back and say, "Hey, I'm cool," but to the true enthusiasts that know what they're talking about, they're going to say, Ye, no, I see through your your rouge there, Toyota or Scion."
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Toyota. Yeah, Toyota. <laughs> all right, let's 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 move on to some more exciting things. Um, let's talk about your pick for best of show because it's pretty, and I'm going to stare at it.
1: Yes, uh, the Vantage GT, my God, Aston, you are now my savior. I love you, I love you, I love you. Now give me $100,000, please. Um, yeah, yeah, they dropped down the price from, I believe, the base price of the Vantage V8 in 2014 was about $120,000.
0: Yeah, it's a big drop.
1: Yeah, they stripped out some goodies, of course, expectably, but they kept the core, the essence of the Aston Martin Vantage in there. Uh, the 4.7 liter V8, 4.6 second sprint time, 100 was 190 mile an hour top speed, all that good stuff is still there. Plus, you get the Aston Martin wings up front, um, so it is just a whole lot of awesome. Um, it's one of the sexiest sports cars come out of out of Britain, I think. Ever. Yeah, and and like like we spoke before, you can have a Nissan GTR that performs better. And, God, it's so
0: fast. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: so fast. <laughs> handles well, has all wheel drive, but still you have the Nissan badge on it. Or you can have the wonderful Aston Martin wings parked in your driveway. Which would you prefer?
0: With real sexy leather yes. and a real manual trans. Oh wait, no, I can't get the GT with it with, with the manual, can I? Uh
1: no, I don't think so. No, see.
0: So. Ugh. That's still right now, currently. As of this moment, Aston Martin is still my favorite car company in the entire world because, as far as I know, they're the only car company that will still sell you a V12 with a manual. Um, Unless Pagani might. But, But the V12 Vantage Roadster still has a manual, and it's the only car that Aston still sells that I'm aware of right now that you can get brand new that still has a manual.
1: Oh, well, hang on. Hang on. The Aston Vantage GT is stock with a six-speed manual gearbox. (gasps) It does come with a stick and three pedals. Oh, Aston Martin, you're amazing. I love you. (laughs) I'm just rereading it. It is a six-speed manual gearbox.
0: Okay, because they're cutting that manual out of everything. Like the new Vanquish is automatic only. The new Vantage V12S is automatic only. Um, the Vantage V8 S is automatic only, so yeah, they're cutting yeah. it out of everything. So yes, there we go. It's yeah. it's perfect. Three pedals, Aston Martin, beautiful hand-built interior. God, I want and one it, of those. And it's, it makes people look.
1: Um, seeing a GTR, if you know what you're looking at, makes people look. Um, but for the most part, when people see a GTR fly past them, and a quick glance, it kind of looks like a 370Z. Not exactly, but in a quick glance, you'd say, oh, 370Z from the front,
0: or a big Maxima. Um,
1: yeah, our, our massive maximum. Yeah, um, but an Aston Martin, people recognize that. People go, oh, oh, you got an Aston. Okay, um, and that goes a long way. And I just think it's amazing they dropped this thing down under a hundred grand. Granted, I don't have the money to buy one, but hey, someone else can, and I can drool.
0: <laughs> I know. I just, Astons are one of those cars. Like, even if you don't know cars, you see it, and you just know. That's fast. That's expensive. It, it's like Ferraris. Ferraris are, are, are that way. Ferrari has never made a car that you didn't look at and know that even if I don't know that's a Ferrari, I know it's fast and I know it costs money. Aston does that very, very well.
1: Exactly, and they're one of the few that can. Uh, so many companies have their boring cars. Jaguar has them. Mercedes has them. But but Aston, yeah, that's when you look and you go, oh, yeah, that's that's fast. That's expensive. I want it. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it is but I want it.
0: Jag's a great example, you know, uh, you can get an XJL Supersports um you know you're looking at like $130,000 and it's got 550 horsepower or whatever but it just looks like a big slab of black.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't
0: It's it's pretty, but it's not exciting. So yeah. all right, well uh, let's go ahead and move on to things that are much less attractive with your worst in show choice. Oh.
1: Okay, um, I hated the FRS, um, but this challenge, or charger. I'm sorry, uh, I take issue with it. Um, the more I look at it, the more the look, the more I'm getting used to the look with pretty much every other Fiat, eyes, Dodge, and Chrysler car. I get used to it after looking at it, but that's not a good thing. You shouldn't have to get used to seeing a car. Like when the Cherokee first came out, I got used to those weird little alien-shaped headlights and all that good stuff. This thing. They completely dartized it. They took it, slapped the dart front end on it, made the back end look a little more dartish and really you 're taking the worst or the second worst selling car in dodges lineup and you 're making the best selling car besides like the caravan in dodges lineup and making it look like it the the The, the math doesn 't quite add up with me they're expecting like like through osmosis because they slapped the dodges the darts front end or grill on this that it's suddenly going to trickle down to the, the sales are going to trickle down to the dart. I don't think so. This this bottom-up uh, design scheme has proven again and again not to work. So many people are going away from it. I know for a while Volkswagen was doing it, and they're starting to pull away from it. Um, the bottom-up design, just, it doesn't work. You can't do that, and it just made this car look ugly. Now, I am glad they didn't really ruin it, make it some four-cylinder Recono box, but they did about the next worst thing they could have done. <laughs>
0: Um, I'm going to wait until I see one in person because that does change perceptions. Um, like, example, the Panamera. Every time I see a picture of a Panamera, I think that is the ugliest car ever created. But when I see one in real life, I'm like, you know what, that's not that bad. Um, what, what gives me hope is I still haven't had the time to really stop and look at any solid profile shots of the new uh, Charger, if it still has that same kind of square, meaty profile, and it still has, like, the big, angry, like, rear hips and things like that, I'll kind of let them get away with the front end. But, like, this front three, three-quarter shot that you included in your piece is, like, the worst angle for this car. It just looks awful in every way.
1: Yeah, it, it's not a good look for it. I'm going to tell you, I'm looking at the side profile. Um the middle section of it looks pretty much the same. From the midway through the rear quarter to the A-pillar look pretty much the same. The front and rear though, uh-uh. The headlights wrap around too much. It looks a little too rounded for me. The front end nose dives, it just it just doesn't look like a charger anymore. It looks like something that belongs on a rental lot now. Now there are some cool things about it. Don't get me wrong, I, I kinda like the outline around the headlights. I kind of like the Easter egg Dodge emblems shoved in the side of the headlights. That was kind of neat. But the rest of it just isn't that attractive to me, to be perfectly honest.
0: Right. Well, let's go away from ugly cars then. Um, My pick for best in show is the Corvette Z06 convertible. Um, I talked about the vet convertible a bit last last week. Um, And I just love this car for so, so many reasons. Not only is the new vet the best vet ever, and I'm a huge Corvette fan, like, love, love Corvettes. I like my Volkswagens, and I love, you know, Fezzas, and Lamborghinis are great, and I have a huge affection for Aston Martins. My dream car, for as long as I can remember, and the car that got me into cars, is, is the Corvette. I mean, this has a very special place in my heart. And to see a Corvette that looks as good as everybody else is as fast or faster than everybody else and is now as well built as everybody else is huge for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the new design of the Corvette um, really drove me back into the model. I, for a long time, I had a, an issue with Corvettes. Um, you know, I grew up in the era of 190 horsepower Corvettes, so uh, I kind yeah. of got, got desensitized to them. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, well, now there's cars out there that have V6s that will smash one of those things. Um, but now that they did this and they made the Stingray and they made it all aggressive looking, the hard body lines, got rid of the afterburner taillights, and then the Z06, oh, my God. And then convertible Z06, oh, you're just awesome. And then it gained very little weight, from my understanding, from the uh, hard top to the convertible. They say it's a tiny bit of a weight gain, but not very much.
0: Yeah, it's uh, almost nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, they say it's, it's it's you can't even really tell. It's just a couple pounds here and there. Um, that's just amazing, uh, to be perfectly honest. I can't really put it in any other way, but to see a Z06 drop top with... Almost no
0: weight gain. Right. Like, that's that's the biggest thing for, for me, and I think that's what people need to really be, be paying attention to, is this car, this one car, proves once and for all, America has what it takes to build a world-beating car. Um, the fact that they had to do almost no strengthening, almost no bracing, and has gained almost no weight to cut the top off, off of this car... Proves that the chassis that they have built, this all-aluminum frame that they have built for the car to begin with, because it's essentially the car. It's essentially the same frame that's in the base Corvette. So yeah, we have car. engineered and built the base Corvette so good that we can cram a huge ass motor in it, an entirely new suspension, major aero work, and lop the top off, and it's still a solid, well-built, sturdy car. So this is no longer. Well yeah, a Corvette is as fast as a Porsche, but it has a terrible interior and it's not built as well. You know, it's all brawn, no 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 brains, or the z six, like, yeah, it can beat a Ferrari around a track, but I mean it barely manages it, and it's just parts that are cobbled together. We finally have a car that proves to the world, no, we know what we are doing or we know what we are doing. Look at this. This is badass, this is amazing, and we are going to beat you. And that makes me so happy.
1: Yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge step in American automaking, and it's, it's, it's massive for us. We've never done this before. Uh, we've always had fast cars, but we've never made cars that can do what the Corvette Z06 can really do to the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, yay, just amazing. Yeah.
1: And whenever I look at the Corvette Z06 and then I say, okay, what can compete with this car? And, and when I have to think, well, I guess the Ferrari 458, that's good. Yeah. yeah that's that's really awesome and I can actually say I guess the 458 is the only thing I can think of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean cuz I don't think a California is going to be quick enough.
1: No, I don't I don't think so. i, I not even close I don't think.
0: Yeah, that, no. that that V8 just doesn't have the power. I mean maybe the the California T with the turbo? Maybe.
1: Yeah I, yeah, I think that may. I'm not sure in the handling department, but maybe straight line. I have to to check up on what exactly it can do in a straight line. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but what's really odd, Christian, um, your selection for worst, <laughs> um, you, you like, oogled this car. You practically, like, made love to the car in the last podcast. What's what's the deal, man?
0: Okay, so my worst in show is the Volkswagen Golf Sportwagon uh, concept with the diesel and the manual and the all-wheel drive. And um, it's because I'm mad at Volkswagen because cause Volkswagen's mean. Um, basically, this is the car I want to buy. This, this is it. This is, sorry about my phone, guys. This is the car I want, I need to buy. It's my Golf with all-wheel drive and a wagon. Again, before I got my Golf, I had a Subaru Outback, and I loved my Outback, but it wasn't torquey enough for me, and um, it drank fuel, and it, well, and it died. It exploded into little pieces. It broke, but, um... So we bought the Golf. It was smaller, and it was front-wheel drive instead of all-wheel drive, but I had the diesel torque, manual transmission, fun to drive, and I get, I mean, depending on the day, 50 miles to, to the gallon out of it. So, like, Volkswagen's like, Mr. Mo, the car that you have been asking for for the past four years is now here, and it is in New York, and you can come look at it. By the way, we're not promising we're going to make it. It's just a concept.
1: So you're going to take your ball and go home.
0: Yes, so it's like – have you? I, I don't know if anybody's seen it, but there was a video like three years ago that was making the rounds on the uh, internet that was parents that had found an Xbox 360 box or a PlayStation 3 box or whatever for their kid, and they wrapped it and they filled it with nothing and the kid opened it and he saw the box and he's just screaming jumping through he's like this is the best present ever oh my gosh my parents are the greatest parents in the whole wide world I love them you know they are the wind beneath my wings and he opens the box and it's empty and the parents laugh at him and that's how I feel is Volkswagen's here and I'm like crying and hugging people and thanking them for all of their hard work the Volkswagen goes psych <laughs> did you just say psych? yes <laughs> I haven't heard that
1: since high school
0: <laughs> and you're way older than me so now I feel terrible but I mean like like that's, that's what it was to me it was like the heavens have opened and brought that that I have wished no 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 that's a huge lie JK <laughs> you know so I'm mad at them for teasing me because it's very mean and you shouldn't do that whatsoever.
1: but honestly I mean all they're saying is we're not promising you I mean it's still possible you just have to get on your horse and go out there and promote it yourself
0: I guess so. Just about mm-hmm. grassroots
1: promotion. Just,
0: you know what? Well, they're not building that car there, but the Volkswagen factory is just an hour and a half away from me. I'm going to go pick it.
1: Give <laughs> <laughs> me the one man picketer out there. What do we
0: want? Four motion. When do we want it? Now! <laughs>
1: You have to get some creative camera work out there, so it looks like there's like 10 of you out there protesting it.
0: <laughs> Ooh, 10 of me. But so many. You
1: know, CGI these days, you might be able to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: be kind uh, of scary maybe. to see 10 of you out there, though, so I take that back. Yeah.
0: All right, let's move a little farther <laughs> down. Let's let's move on to the man that nobody likes anymore because he left us to go play with V8s in North, North Carolina, Mr. Mark McNabb. Um. Mark's choice for best of show was the Land Rover Discovery Vision concept. If you don't remember, uh, we talked about that one last week. It's Volkswagen or doubles. It's Land it's Land Rover's super fancy prototype car with the um invisible see-through roof and all that sort of sort of stuff. Um do you think it's worthy of a of a best in show nomination?
1: I the the fact that it has a a uh, somewhat of a production future. Now we're not going to see this thing in any production form but the fact that they've already said hey look the Discovery Sport is coming and it kinda looks like this, it does deserve some, uh, some mention. As a best in show I don't think so but then again Mark knows a whole lot more about four wheel drives and SUVs and Land Rovers than I do. Um, the features are really cool, that see-through hood was awesome uh, the the self driving system where you pop you hop out and you have remote control it uh, uh, towards you that's a really cool feature but again are two things that are either very far down the line or are never going to happen at all. But I can see a reason for picking it because it is a huge change and a huge jump forward for Land Rover. Saying, hey, look, we're going to sub-brand ourselves. We're going to make two different tiers, although they all do they do already kind of do that. They're actually saying, hey, look, these are our leisure cars. This is our power. This is our super SUVs, and these are our rugged uh, off-road SUVs. So it's kind of cool to see that they're you know, showing off their leisure side of the SUVs. So I can see why he picked it as a best-in-show. It wouldn't have been my pick, but you know, Mark sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all of that was to lead into me saying, Mark sucks.
0: <laughs> See, Mark, if you didn't leave us to play with awesome cars that we aren't getting to play with, we would we would still love you and we wouldn't be mean to you when you're not here to defend yourself. Yes. Uh, all right, uh, his, his worst in show I think is a pretty solid choice. Um, yeah. It is the Acura TLX. Um, if any of you guys didn't know... The TSX and the TL are kind of going away, and we're getting this combination TSX, and it looks almost exactly like the two cars were kind of smashed together to begin with. Um, If I laid this car out in front of you and I said this is a brand-new, all-new, redesign, like this car didn't exist before a few weeks ago, and I sat it there in front of you, you'd be like, are you sure? Because that just looks like the uh, Acura that my neighbor owns it's very boring. And
1: you know what's really funny, my next-door neighbor owns a TSX and literally I can look out my window and say, "Yeah, it does look just like that."
0: <laughs> yeah. It's got the new kind of fancy headlights that have been pulled from some of their recent concepts which which look nice. And to be fair to them, it is a very clean design and a lot of people that are looking to buy this kind of car don't want something that stands out, you know, they don't want, you know, the boy racer wings that come with an STI or anything. But still, it's So, so boring, and with everything else going on at New York, it was just like, oh, I thought someone just parked the cab in the lobby.
1: (laughs) I gotta say, though, I have to give Acura a little bit of credit. They did uh, do one good thing by getting rid of one of the worst luxury cars I have ever driven in my entire flipping life in the Acura TL. Oh, I haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, but it is by far one of the worst luxury card, luxury quote unquote cars I've ever driven in my life.
0: Well, I think we might have to cover that next week in the uh, weekly Weekly Wheels.
1: I'll have to talk about. It. I've been reserving it because I don't want to bash on Acura, but maybe we'll talk about it next week.
0: <laughs> All right, um, we're running a little short on time. We've got a crap ton of stuff to cover, so we're just I'm just going to blow through the rest of this list. Um, da So some of our other best in show choices, which is kind of funny um, because one of them is actually a worst in show choice also, Um, but we have uh, a Ford Mustang 50th Anniversary Edition was chosen as a best in show choice, the new Toyota Camry was chosen as a best in show choice, and the Dodge Charger was chosen as a best in show choice. Um, Worst in shows, uh, the Viper Carbon time, time Attack Edition for being nothing very new or exciting.
1: And having the world's longest name.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, another Scion. We have another Scion release series, the Scion XB Release Series 10, for being, dear God, it's the XB, why isn't this thing dead, and why are you still selling it? Um, and then we have the uh, RS7 Dynamic Edition for the same thing. Hey, look, it's a car we already make, and we added like one or two things, and we're going to add forty freaking thousand dollars to the price tag. Yay, Audi! Yeah. <laughs> so, some things will get behind, and some things I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, yeah. There are some weird things automakers do for these shows.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, something else that didn't make it into our Best of Worst of show, but was kind of cool. Um. So, before the show, Subaru teased, like, a rear fender, a little bit of a wing of a car. Like... We're bringing in a new crazy car to New York. Come check it out. Uh, and a lot of people rightly guessed it's a global rallycross edition of the STI. So um, for those of you who don't know, you know there's lots of rally series in the world. You know we have rallycross here in the US, and we have Rally America, uh, which like the rallycross is done through the X Games. And there's global rallycross. Um, there's the World Rally Championship. There's like. Swedish Rally Championships. It's like bunch of bunch of rallies, and Subarus do compete in a lot of them. But um, for like a lot of their rally championship stuff, like if you watch last year's X Games, they were using the older round-bodied uh, STI wagons. So uh, now we have a new STI, and so Subaru's like, hey, here's our new version of the racing car. Um, Everybody knew it was coming eventually. Um, it came a little quicker than I expected. I figured it would be at least another year before it came out. But um, it's here. It's covered in sponsorships. I kind of like the blue and gray paint scheme. Um, you know, nothing super exciting about it. They didn't give us a ton of real info about it. But um, it looks nice. It's cool to see them upping their game. They haven't done really well in the rallycross stage because their car is so much bigger than the Fiestas and Polos and stuff that are being fielded by Ford and Volkswagen. So um, I wish them a lot of luck. Hopefully this new car will kind of push them through a bit. I was a
1: little bit depressed when it came out, though. I was all excited. I was kind of in denial because I saw the reports. Oh, it's a GRC car. It's a GRC car. Don't worry about it. But I got kind of excited. I think, ooh, maybe it's a cool little special edition that might be something a little better. And, well, no. It's cool. It is cool nonetheless. But still, kind of kind of took the wind out of my sails.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's not un, – un, until they replace that 2.5-liter engine that, that's in it that they've been using since the dawn of time, um, there's not a lot they're going to be able to do do to that car to make it better.
1: Yeah. Oh well, it was cool, what, like ten years ago, but now it's kind of old.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically. Um, all right. Uh, another big thing of the show, which I actually haven't seen a lot of coverage on this, but I think this is a huge deal for Honda, is they announced their HRV. Um, if you don't know what the HRV is, a lot of people have been talking about it for a long time. Honda built a crossover based on the Fit. If you've never been in a fit, it is the best-driving Honda that you could buy, and it's about the smallest Honda you can buy, but it has more room than almost any other Honda does on the inside because of the most intelligent design and packaging in the world. The seats fold down to make a completely flat load floor. It'll almost swallow a 4x8 sheet of freaking plywood, it seems. like Tons of room inside this thing. Drives great. Drives like old Civics used to. Um, and now they have a crossover version. This, this really didn't get a lot of coverage because of how much other big news there was at New York. But I think this thing is gonna make Honda so much money. I was I was shocked it got so little
1: coverage. Like whenever it pro- come across my desk, I'm like, why haven't I read about this yet? Everybody just kind of blew it off. But it's really big news for Honda. I mean, it it shoves them into that compact crossover realm. You know, they had the CRV, but it's a little bit bigger than the Juke and things like that. So this really gives them a leg up on all those companies because now you get the Nissan Juke package, but with Honda quality. So you just can't beat it, and it looks good too. It doesn't take the too many cues from the CRV. That's one thing I was afraid of is going to just take all the cues from the just CRV. It's just going to be a mini it. one. Yeah, that's what I was so afraid of. But no, they really, really restyled it and and made it look like a its own standalone car, which is nice.
0: It it actually and and this is something to say how stylish I think it looks. Except for the Honda badge on the grill and like the very front of the grill, it could almost be a Mazda.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah.
0: From like the A-Pillars back, like that could totally be like a new CX5. Like it is very pretty. It is it is a very pretty car.
1: It's a gorgeous car and they are gonna sell the hell out of it.
0: Yeah, um, you know, we don't have super ton of info on it yet. Um the engine will probably be the same one from the fit, maybe improved a little bit, so we're looking, you know, a 1.5 liter, I think about 130 horsepower or something. Not gonna be quick, but it will be enough to move you around and move your stuff around. Um, and price tag should hit under twenty twenty grand, and that's where the ticket to this is. You can have a car that costs as much as your Civic does, or even slightly cheaper than, than the Civic you're looking at, but you have your crossover, your big size that everybody wants these these days. Honda's gonna make so much money,
1: and that that really depresses me because as much as I love my my Forte Five. Um, had I known that this car was coming, I probably would have told the wife, hey, let's hold off for, for a little while, wait to see what this this uh, this new Honda, the HR-V, has come in, and then we'll make our decision." So we already looked at the, the Mazda compact SUVs. None of them got good enough gas mileage. But this being based on the fit, I mean, it's got to be in the 30, 30s in uh in highway at least, and maybe high 20s in cities. So, I mean, it's a win-win for us. That's, that's one of our biggest things was uh, reliability and fuel economy.
0: <laughs> yeah um it's yeah i'd say seeing 30 35 out of that won't be a huge stretch especially if they put the uh, cvt in it yeah um all right uh, so that was kind of a, a surprise at the uh, show was the honda but one of the big surprises for me was uh maserati brought out some centennial edition of their grand of their Grand turismo mc nobody knew this was coming like as far as I know this was the best kept secret of the auto show season this this year. Because like we always have spy shots. I mean you guys read, read read the site. We have spy shots of things all the time. We know what's coming months and months ahead of time. Nobody knew this thing was showing up. It was just like boom, here's a brand new Maserati. <laughs>
1: Well I mean all things considered it it wouldn't really be much to spy at I mean it's it's just some some extra goodies on it from what I'm understanding
0: right but I mean it's a big deal for them Maserati doesn't do very much they've been focusing all their you know marketing power and engineering at the uh, new Ghibli and I've always loved the uh, Grand, the, the Grand Turismo MC. They're beautiful cars. Um, got a new hood. I love the like little scoop in it. Looks a little meaner. The car sits a little bit lower. It's got some new paints, I believe. Um, some wheel designs have been updated. They just took one of their cars that looks good and like they they basically gave it a mid-cycle refresh sort of thing. But they're like, it's a super special edition 100th anniversary because we're awesome and we're 100 years old. Yay, Maserati.
1: Yeah, and it is a beautiful car. It's, it's an awesome car in person. I saw one at the car show at, uh, a few weekends ago, and it, oh, just a beautiful car in person. The pictures do not do uh, do the uh, the Gran Turismo any credit. It's a beautiful, much nicer car in person.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, we talked earlier, some cars look, look better, like look, look ugly in, in photos and then pretty in, in real life. The Maserati looks stunning in a photo and unbelievably gorgeous in real life.
1: That's kind of the, the ongoing thing with every Maserati. It, they, they get so little press that you, you only catch a little bit about them here and there. But when you see one in person, like, wow, I did not think it would look like that.
0: Yeah. They may be like the stepchild of Ferrari current, currently, but they they make some solid machines. Yeah. Um, all right. New York was not the only auto show that we had going on the last few weeks. Um, we also had Beijing. Uh, Beijing actually had a fair bit of news nobody was expecting because we all thought, yay, it's going to be every single car that's ever been produced in a long wheelbase form, and that's going to be the end of it because <laughs> that's what everyone in China wants. But um, we had uh, Infiniti and Nissan brought the first running prototype of a Q50. So this is no longer a concept here, people. This is we are building some of these and testing them to see if they're actually going to be feasible to put into production. So that's huge, huge news. Um, now, yeah. they put Sebastian Vettel behind the wheel. So yay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, who else? Who else would you want to put behind the wheel besides him? <laughs> and this, this is Lewis Hamilton incredible
0: news. Who's actually winning races. Cough, cough, cough. Lewis oh, Hamilton yeah. uh-huh. winning races. Cough, cough.
1: <laughs> okay, either Sorry. one would be fine with me. But honestly, uh, th- this is incredible news. I mean, we were all suspicious about the the. You're better at saying the name. Eau Rouge. Is that how you say it?
0: Yeah, we're just going to – Yeah, something like that. But The Q50 GTR edition.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Q50 GTR. Um, we were all kind of wondering if it was going to be a production model or if they were just kind of going to say, hey, cool, here's something really nice and neat, but you're not going to get it. But this really shows – They were going to pull
0: a Volkswagen.
1: Exactly. Uh, this really shows that they're dedicated to doing it. That they saw enough positive feedback, which I don't know why they wouldn't see positive feedback on it. But they got enough positive feedback to say, okay, let's let's actually put this thing together, put a key, you know, start the ignition, put this thing on a track, and see what it can do. Um, now there's still a whole lot of work to do because they have to work out the kinks and the bugs. You know, will the GTR drivetrain really perform that well in a heavy sedan? They don't know that yet, but. I suspect it's going to perform admirably, and we're going to see it in production next next year, maybe the year after. I think.
0: Yeah, I think probably. You know what? I dare say that they're going to have a production concept by Frankfurt.
1: Wow, that'd be that'd be a pretty quick term. Frankfurt is late this year, right?
0: I think it's November. Yeah, they, yeah. Or something like that.
1: Oof, that'd be a pretty darn quick turnaround. But honestly, well, yeah, but you're taking an it, existing it's... car, an existing motor, and boom, there you go.
0: Well, it sounds like a quick turn turnaround, but it's only been – they, what, announced it at Detroit?
1: Yeah, it's Detroit.
0: And then showed the engine at Geneva. And yeah. now they have testing prototypes. So, I mean, it's been five months, four months to go from here this concept exists to look, we have a running version on a track.
1: Yeah, and that is true. And and like I said, it's it's basically taking a car you already have and another car you already have and saying, oh, "Okay, how can we make this puzzle fit together?" So yeah, it's not like they're designing anything from from scratch. I don't think.
0: And yeah, I mean, maybe
1: from scratch, things like that. But
0: yeah, suspension said it maybe. I think the biggest thing they're probably gonna have issues with is getting that seven-speed auto trans transmission. From infinity to play happy with what used to be the dual clutch all wheel drive setup of the GTR.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a tough one because you're taking an engine designed to have the hard quick shifts of a DCT and putting a slush box behind it. That can be not saying that it's a slush box, but relative, it's a slush box. Um, yeah. that, that could be some some trouble in terms of performance. I think it can handle it can handle it just fine because these modern transmissions should handle you know at least 800 foot-pounds by the most part, um, but will it will it work well with it? Will it uh, be able to handle the track well, and will it shift properly? Will it hold the RPMs at the right, right spot? That's all the stuff they have to kind of work out, I think.
0: Yeah, a little bit of tuning. Um, so hopefully they don't pull a, a Volkswagen and say, by the way, this car is never going, going to exist. Everyone go home and cry yourselves to sleep. Um but Volkswagen did speaking of them have some things to show and uh, one of them is exciting and apparently they're not lying and actually going to build it actually both of them they're apparently not lying actually going to build um so the first one Volkswagen has a new mid-size coupe concept which is the worst name in the world for anything. <laughs> yeah, when I first saw that name, I couldn't help
1: but say, like, what were you guys, were you, like, sitting at the bar going, hey, give me another shot, Clank, okay, what can we call this thing? The show's tomorrow. I'll just call it the new midsize concept. Ah, ha, ha, okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, it's a new car. It's a midsize concept. That one. Yes. <laughs> um. So if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's actually very pretty. Um. Basically, Volkswagen is remaking the CC. So to make the CC, Volkswagen took the Passat and said, what would happen if somebody actually cared how this thing looked? And then they designed a beautiful body to fit over the Passat. Well, they're doing it again with the Jetta. And that's what this NMC concept is, new mid-sized coupe concept, is beautiful, swoopy, two-door coupe-ish style vehicle. It's based on the Jetta. So uh, it's beautiful for starters. And Volkswagen apparently is actually going to build it. They've gotten a pretty solid response out of it, and uh, there are production plans to bring this thing to life. Um, Justin, if they bring it, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing?
1: I think it's awesome. Uh, Volkswagen... Volkswagen. Not saying they don't sell well, but they they cater to kind of a niche group, this very tight knit group of Volkswagen buyers. That's who they sell to. Um, this the I'm just gonna call it the NMC. Just so I don't have to say that name over and over again. The NMC, it kind of gives them that CLA competitor, like you mentioned in your article, uh, that they need. Um, they need something that's gonna bring in buyers from other brands. You know, someone's shopping a Mercedes CLA for twenty nine thousand. They can get this NMC for, say, $26,000 with the same features. It's German-built, has all the quality. So it's got to be – it's a win-win for everybody, customers and Volkswagen alike. And it also gives it a nice new style given they keep this, uh, this look. It really gives Volkswagen a nice new style to work from without completely neglecting its history.
0: Right. I think I think that's what makes the NMC important is I want to see this new front end spread through the rest of the Volkswagen Lamp. I love my Golf. I love all the new Mark 7 stuff that's coming out. I love the crisp, clean lines. It's very German, very sharp. It's very pretty. It ages well, uh, which for me is a big thing. Like Hyundais look cool, but like a Sonata from three or four years ago already is starting to look old because it was so stylized and so aggressive and interesting that like people are like, okay, whatever, it's weird now. Whereas when you have something like Audi, BMW, Mercedes, like all the Germans do this. They're very clean, very simple designs. And you can take an Audi that's 15 years old and it still looks okay today. Whereas a lot of cars don't do that. Um, so I, I would like to see this new front end sort of spread around. But I don't know if they're building this car for the right market. Because I can tell you right now, anyone who is actually looking at a CLA is looking for a Mercedes badge, and they're not going to go, I could have got a Mercedes, but I bought a Volkswagen instead.
1: Well, yeah, but just like with the Mazda 3, it caters to that fringe buyer, the person that doesn't quite have the pocketbook to buy the CLA, but wants all the features and goodies and all the the stuff. And also, we forgot to mention, this thing's not a slow automobile either. 6.2 seconds to 60, 152 miles an hour, that's right up there in CLA territory.
0: Well, yes, but that's because this concept is powered by the GTI and Jetta GLI powertrain. But if this comes, there's no saying that that's the only engine they're going to stick it with.
1: Well, no, they're going to have the lower end range, of course. They're going to have the bottom the bottom end that's going to compete with your regular old midsize family sedans. But I think what they're talking about is the top-of-the-line NMC production car is going to compete with the CLA 250. I think that's more along the lines of what we're looking at. It's going to be one of those cars that spans that gap between your typical – Honda Accord, Toyota Camry, and the higher-end Mercedes. No, it's not going to be a Mercedes quality, but it's going to kind of span that gap a little
0: bit. All right, fair enough. Um, Volkswagen also announced another car, but I think we're going to skip that this week because we're running super short on time. Um, They announced the Golf R400, which more or less is a 400-horsepower Golf R. Um, so expect me to talk about that a lot next week. One word, awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, and apparently they're actually going to be building this in a very limited production, so we'll, we'll talk about that some more next week. Um, other big news from Beijing that we're going to have to cover super quick is uh, the Audi TT off-road concept. So take an Audi TT, mix it with the Audi Sport Quattro concept, lift it six inches and slap it with ugly yellow paint, and that's kind of what they created.
1: Ugly yellow paint aside, I got to say it it looks it looks decent. Um, it's not ugly and it's not beautiful. But then again, neither is the BMW X6 and the oh, I see you. Okay, go ahead and say it.
0: <laughs> no, this car is super cringing. ugly. This car is super 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 oh, god, it's ugly.
1: But the entire SUV coupe Genre is super, super, super ugly. They cater to that very small, yes. itty-bitty group that likes to torture themselves by driving yeah. an SUV that you can't put any cargo in, that looks ugly, but handles like hell and goes fast.
0: Right. No, but it, so, I, I guess what what bothers me is them using the TT name. Because they've taken the TT front end and the general TT shape, and then they made it rape Quasimodo and then what came out, they sort of put wheels on. It has this flat, funky face that's been stretched and mushed and it has this weird like humpback sort of stretch, lumpy <laughs> rear end and it, it's hideous.
1: It does almost look like they took oh. the TT, threw it on Photoshop and kind of blew the picture up a little bit and stuck big rims under it.
0: It's Oh, it's, it's so a, bad.
1: But yeah, the, the TT name I don't think going to stay. The TT face, yeah, I don't think it's going to stay. They're going to take cues from it. It's probably going to end up being some Q, Q4 special edition of some sort. I don't think it's going to actually hold the TT name. There are rumors that they're going to take the TT name and make it a sub-brand. I really doubt that because then they're pushing that name way too far.
0: Yeah. Now, I do see them bringing the yeah, like Aleca Q4 to market to compete <laughs> with the BMW X4, which is also a stupid car. But uh, that makes sense for them from a, you know, our competitors are doing this and making money, so we need to do this to take their money sort of standpoint. Um, But yeah, if I ever hear you or Mark talk about how it's not that bad looking, I'm going to drive to Florida and I'm going to hit somebody with a shoe. No,
1: no, I didn't say it was a good looking car. I said it's not that bad.
0: Yeah, No, if it's anything other than, well, well, it made my wife vomit. (laughs) If it's anything better than that level... I'm gonna have to drive somewhere and hit somebody with 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 a shoe. So, <laughs> um, fair <yeah>. enough. <laughs> it's it's an interesting concept. I think Audi needs to bring something like that to market to fight the X4, X6, that sort of stuff. Um, I expect to see something similar from Mercedes very soon. Um, but it's hideous, and dear God, do not sell it in yellow. No, did you see the pictures from at the at at the
1: show live, because there are some pictures from it live at the show, and I, and you're gonna probably tongue lash me again. Shoe? Not, shoe. <laughs> no, I'm not Hillary Clinton. Don't throw a shoe at me now. <laughs> but honestly, it it doesn't look horrible in the real picture. the the CGI picture that Audi gave us, yeah, it looks like a, they took the the TT and just stretched it in Photoshop, or even worse, looks like they stretched it in Microsoft Paint. Um, but uh, the the at-the-show at the picture
0: isn't awful. It might be better if it was in a better color.
1: Yeah, it needs to be in a less loud color. Yellow is a little bit too much for that one.
0: <laughs> and, it's, and it's not just yellow. It's like old McDonald's mustard. Like if you have children <laughs> and they've spilled mustard on their shirt and you didn't notice it until like six hours later and it's kind of dried and caked on, they're like, that's the color this thing is.
1: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: All right, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Uh, we only have one question this week, uh, so our Q and A uh, is from Ton Yee Tony Tony, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Tony eh? something. I don't know. It's a funny name, though. Um, I have a question for you guys. With all this technology, cars these days could drive, in theory, by themselves. So would you ever be capable to trust the car 100% that it will get you to your destination? I find it weird but fascinating when I see those cars that can park themselves. I can only imagine how strange it would be to see one on the road with nobody in the driver's seat.
1: Well, uh, I'll start this one off. Um, I'm going to say no, 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 and no. No. Um, I drove the Acura, uh, MDX, uh, the full-size SUV, I believe it was the MDX. I drove that, and it had all the crazy automated systems, lane control, auto steering, auto cruise control, adaptive this, adaptive that, and while it was really, really cool that you could let go of the steering wheel and it would kind of, sort of, track along the road, I found it very, very, very inaccurate and, crap, my pants, scary sometimes, um, I remember driving down the road and had the automated cruise control on that says it will stop the vehicle for you at slow speeds. I kept my foot right by the brake pedal driving about 15 miles an hour through traffic and almost rear ended the car in front of me if I hadn't jammed on the brake pedal like I did. Um, So all this hogwash about automated systems coming in the next few years, if technology keeps going that way, I don't, Think I would ever ever trust it until it's really really refined.
0: Um, my thing is like once everybody on the road is in one of these cars, then I'll trust it more. Because I don't care how smart your car is. When the guy next to you is three sheets to the wind in an old 1982 Ford pickup truck and he decides he's going to slam into the side of you, there is jack all you can do about that. And your fancy, super smart, self-driving car can't do anything about that because this guy just swerved across three lanes at 70 miles an hour and plowed into you. Um, So when everybody is in one and all the cars are talking to themselves, that'll be better? And to be honest, I look forward to it, but for a different reason. Um, Right now, most cars are sold because people have to buy them. They have to go to work. They don't like driving. They don't want to go anywhere. And quite frankly, they're not paying enough attention when, when they're driving anyways. So pulling them out of the equation makes me happy because I'm less worried about that woman who's next to me putting on her makeup or that kid over here who's texting is going to plow into me. Plus, it's going to get to the point where... When everybody is in self-driving cars, they're all going to be on the main highways. All of these wonderful roads that dot our country are going to be mostly empty so people like us can enjoy them. So it's like horses. My wife rides horses. We've got a pair of them in the backyard. You know, she loves her horses. It used to be horses were something you had to have to get around. Once the car became popular, horses became a leisure item. I think that same sort of thing is kind of going to happen with cars. So once everyone is in these self-driving cars and they're going 105 miles an hour on the interstate using almost no gas, six, six, six inches apart from each other and everyone's zipping around like Jetsons, I can have my old Porsche sitting in the driveway and I can fire up that loud, nasty, burbly, exhaust-spewing gasoline motor and I can have all of these roads all to myself. And I don't care if, like, I don't care if they have to raise taxes out the roof. Like, If you want to drive on most of these you know, back back highways, you have to pay a huge license tax of like a $1,000 a year to upkeep with the roads. or whatever. I don't care because driving will have become so much better. It would be worth that $1,000 to me.
1: I, I agree with you on that point. Once everybody gets it, it's going to be a wonderful thing. But that middle range thing is going to be a complete catastrophe.
0: <laughs> yeah. And what's worse is... What happens if people start trying to fix some car, fix, fix their cars themselves? So they're gonna be zip tying cameras to the body
1: and duct tape and super glue and all that happy stuff.
0: Well, yeah. So maybe, maybe something <laughs> happens and like, a, and a cheating husband is found out by an angry wife and she hits his car with a baseball bat and one of his cameras is crooked. And yeah, he goes out there with some zip ties to straighten it up. So he never quite stays in his lines ever again. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's also the other scary part. But I'm willing to bet that once these cars really become come into production, I think NHTSA is going to step in and say, hey, look, you can have your automated car, but you still have to sit in the driver's seat. You still have to maintain uh, feasible control of the vehicle. You can't just let the car go by itself, kick back, and text, and drink a beer.
0: Right. Oh, buses full of scotch that drive themselves. So, I'm going to be a millionaire. That's my million-dollar idea. <laughs>
1: Uh, Christians in heaven.
0: All right. Anyways, um, we were gonna try and do an own drive burn this week, but uh, with Mark not here, it's not quite as much fun to do those with just two people. So we're gonna push that back one more week. Plus, uh, I don't want to do Batman without him because, yay, Batman! Another one that we have uh, that was sent to us was Ferraris, uh, an F Ferrari, or sorry, an F forty, an F twelve, or a La Ferrari. So uh, that'll be interesting because no matter what, we all have to burn a burn a uh, Ferrari. But uh, we want to thank everyone for hanging out with us. We know this one's a little bit longer than usual. I said we try to keep them at an hour. We're not very good at it. We get off topic. <laughs> um, but we thank you guys for sticking through it with us. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, again, hit us up on the comments. We love reading reading those and responding to you guys. Um, you can f- find us all on Twitter. Um, the Twitter for the podcast is Top Speed Pod- Podcast. It's really, really simple. Um, you can reach us on email, uh, podcast at podcast.topspeed.com. Um, I'm Christian Moe. You can find me at MoFord. Justin Coupler is at the Car Junkie. Um, we hope everyone has a wonderful Thursday, wonderful Friday, wonderful weekend, and we'll see you guys next week. Please stay safe, stay happy, enjoy this beautiful weather, get out there and drive some fantastic cars. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Also, don't forget we're on iTunes. Like, subscribe, comment, do all that iTunesy stuff that makes us look awesome so people like us. We love you, everybody. Goodbye.